0: Hello and welcome in to the Not A Doctor podcast where we're a bunch of medical students and we talk about medical stuff. We're probably gonna get a lot of stuff wrong. We're gonna learn in the process, so just don't quote us. As always, this is Josh, and joining me is Veron Ollie and Hamish. And today we're talking about cardiac tamponade. So cardiac tamponade is effectively a collection of fluid around the heart that's gonna screw the heart up a little bit. And we'll get into the specifics of that in due course. Awesome. Nice. Um, yeah.
1: Wow, well done with the intro. Yo! That was, <laughs> each time you just get exponentially better.
0: Oh. <laughs> Alright, so I think we're starting off today with how it's going to sort of develop, how we're going to get there, how we're going to start mucking around with the heart, um, and starting us off is Varun in that case.
2: Alrighty, so
0: to start off
2: with, let's do a quick review of the layers of the heart. Mm. So we've got endocardium, myocardium, epicardium. Epicardium is also the visceral layer of the serous pericardium. Mm. Then we have a cavity. Then we have the parietal layer, the serous pericardium. And we have the fibrous pericardium. Lots of oh, layers. Nice. But basically, one thing to remember is that... It's like a balloon. It's like a... <laughs> 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 it it <laughs> Stop it! So let's, let's, <laughs> let's fit our balloon model into <laughs> these guys. Important thing to remember is that um, in between the two layers of serous pericardium, there's a cavity, or the pericardial cavity, and it goes all around the heart and usually has some serous fluid in it, about 50 mils of serous fluid. And can someone tell me what the function of that cavity is? Is it much like the lungs to reduce friction? It is to reduce friction as oh, so a protection. Really? Yeah, a bit of protection, sure. Also, just allows the heart to expand um, a bit more and also the, the, the fluid reduces friction and allows it to pump more efficiently.
1: Why is it a protection?
2: Just because... Like mechanical? Yeah, mechanical yeah. protection. Um um okay so cardiac tamponade as josh mentioned is an accumulation of fluid that restricts the heart's movement and that accumulation of fluid is called pericardial effusion okay so pericardial effusion refers to any fluid collecting in that cavity whereas cardiac tamponade is when that fluid affects the heart's ability to contract so they're two different things but cardiac tamponade um is caused by pericardial effusion
0: yeah, because I'm an absolute stickler for specifics. Mm. Does it affect the heart's ability to contract, or is it other things that the heart does as well? Hmm. It's.
2: I, th- I think I think it's both. I think it, it affects heart's ability to contract, but also it doesn't allow it to fill properly because it yeah. causes, um, yeah, because it causes diastolic dysfunction as well. That's right. Yeah. Um. So pericardial fusion, fluid in accumulation of fluid. Lots of things can cause it. Things like infections, inflammation, cancers can also cause it, um, trauma, um, traumas can cause blood to go into the sac. The most interesting cause that I found was an endocrine cause, um, hypothyroidism can cause an increase of permeability of the pericardial capillaries, which can cause fluid to go into the sac. Good wow. interesting. So is that hyper or hypo? Hypo. Okay. Hypothyroidism. Causes mm. fluid to go into the mm-hmm. pericardium. Mm-hmm. Why? It just increases the permeability of the epicardial vessels. Mm.
1: Um, Is it an iron or something? Something we don't need to know. No, something we don't need to know. Fuck yeah! <laughs> That's
2: what I like. And so then once we have a fluid accumulating, about 200 to 300 mils, um, that effectively causes an increase in the intracardial or intrapericardial pressure, which restricts, restricts the heart's ability to contract and also restricts its ability to fill. Um, and something else that I found was interesting that how quickly the fluid fills up the cavity is really important in determining on, in predicting how bad the symptoms are. So if we have a lot of fluid going into that space quickly, the pericardium um, reaches its elastic limit really fast and so you get really bad symptoms. Um, but if for some reason there's a lot of fluid going in, but slowly, like progressively over time, the pericardium is able to adapt and stretches a little bit. And so um, if it's more slowly, accumulating you can get up to two liters of fluid in the pericardial really? in the pericardial cavity jesus wow. how whack is that so much fluid and that's just because the accumulation is gradual and so it has enough time to stretch a little bit mm. um and that's the basis of the pathophys so now we have a lot of fluid in the pericardial
3: cavity mm. um what's it going to present like ollie um well initially uh so just a pericardial effusion and not actually tamponade yet so you'll get some shortness of breath as you can imagine you probably get some chest pain uh retrosternally, so basically just behind your sternum uh but initially it's often asymptomatic now for those who were listening last week and those here today
2: uh-huh.
3: <laughs> what <laughs> is a triad associated with cardiac tamponade <laughs> best triad wow oh. thank Let's you very much link in description um, <laughs>
2: I just have a super fun fact. You know that? <clears throat> Sorry. Beck actually had two triads about cardiac tamponade. Oh. And what? Yeah, so one of them is about acute and one of them is about chronic, but everyone only, li- only listens to is one about acute cardiac tamponade. Is it because
3: it's Wow. Cute? Yeah. Is that because it's more relevant? Probably. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's just rude that he's done that, though. <laughs> um, well, speaking well, of, what is the, temp- the um, triad made up of? we we'll go one each. Yeah.
0: Gosh. So we've got muffled heart sounds. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Don't go on that.
2: High potention.
0: Reduced blood pressure. And then I think distended neck veins. Yes, yes.
3: elevated JVP. Um, so you can get other signs <clears throat> as well. So you can get tachycardia, um, pulsus paradoxus, which, lovely word. Do we know what pulsus paradoxus is? So it's
2: when um, when the patient takes a really deep breath in, their systolic blood
3: pressure drops quite significantly. <clears throat> um, you can also get just cold sweats, pallor, you can get signs of left ventricular heart failure, right sided heart failure, um, and it can lead to obstructive shock and cardiac arrest, which we will do a episode soon on, I'm sure. <laughs> 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 okay. Link in the description. <laughs> it can also, if it gets big enough or just swells in the right places or wrong places, you can get uh, compressive symptoms. Um, What's that? Well, I'm going to tell you the symptom, and you guys are going to tell me what is being compressed. So oh, like this. You can get <laughs> like this. so you get hoarseness of voice.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking recurrent laryngeal nerve. Yeah, yeah. Why is that? Why is that? Because it innervates the muscles of the larynx, which control the vocal cords. And where does it run? Well, <coughs> the left one runs down in front of the subclavian and then under it. And upwards and the no. other way around the right one does that and the yeah. left one runs under the aortic
3: arch and then the recurrent comes up a... yeah so you get the left recurrent compression yeah yeah um so you can get nausea what would cause nausea
0: this is very general it's pretty tough could this be something with interference with the vagus nerve that's maybe passing by that is a good guess, but no. Okay. It causes nausea. Um, uh, it's, this is a tough one because it. it's such a uh, yeah. constitutional
3: symptom. Mm. Um, <laughs> it is compression of the diaphragm.
0: Yeah. So it's like, uh, compressive.
3: Uh, yeah. 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 Okay, what about dysphagia or difficulty? Hampshire's <clears throat> all you? Or esophagus. Compression. Or someone would say esophagus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this one is more interesting. Hiccups.
1: Ooh. Um, is it phrenic nerve? You... Sorry. A genius. <laughs> well done. You know, you're a genius. <laughs> I just nice wanted to, you know, seem smart after my oyster
3: <laughs> Cool. Okay. So then diagnosis. Um, I'll try and fly through this. So there's a gold standard, transthoracic echocardiography. Um, it's, you're basically just checking for fluid accumulation in the pericardium um, and or between the pericardium and epicardium. Um, it's anechoic.
0: Do we know what that is? anechoic so, so, uh, so if something's echoic it means it's like uh, it's almost responsive to the the sound wave so if it's anechoic I think it would be like it kind of blocks it yeah so oh. so for an ultrasound which sends sound waves
3: into the body and just receives the reflections if it's echoic then you're getting lots of echoes or reflections if it's anechoic then you're not getting any so the black fluid, yeah so it's black and fluid is black because it just absorbs all the sound waves when yeah. something's hard oh. it reverberates it back cool, cool. Um, ECGs if you because you may just be doing these if someone presents with very general symptoms ECG you get mm-hmm. low voltage and tachycardia um, on a chest x-ray which is what you may be doing first off um, you can just get enlarged cardiac silhouette and potentially clear lungs if it is large enough such as two litres then you can get water bottle sign which is basically where it looks like it's not really a water bottle it's more of a like an old-fashioned canteen that you see in western movies
0: <laughs> that's
3: the canteen uh, sign really yes
0: um, why didn't they name it the old-fashioned canteen, canteen sign? i <laughs> don't know medicine that, that that sticks it's got a better ring to it
3: um and then you can also do ct which is basically just looking for a large fluid buildup. um yeah Gracking. that's Check it, it so I don't really
1: know what you would do though if you get uh, if you
3: got cardiac tamponade.
1: Well, there as there are actually three um, things you can do. So okay. let's talk about pericardial oh sorry Pericardiocentesis. Oh so that one again centesis or sentesis as some delinquents say. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah I said it and I said it again. <laughs> Anyway, so this is basically a big fat needle that you stick into someone's heart. Um, not the heart, the serous space mm-hmm. or the pericardial space and you drain it and you drain the fluid. That's, how you, that's the overall motto of how to treat a uh, cardiac tamponade. You just want to get rid of the fluid. Makes Ooh. sense. Is it like a specific landmark that they go through? Mm-hmm. Um, I know you aim for the right subclavian. Um, and then you go in right at, excuse, not right, the left, um, between the ziphoid sternum and the costal margin. So like right at the costal margin, basically yeah. just left to the sternum or the xiphoid sternum. And you're sort of angling, angling upwards. Towards the right, um, mid-clavicular line of your left. Do yeah. we know if there's a point which is more likely to get fluid accumulation? Uh, oh, falls to the bottom. because of gravity. Yeah, probably. I've... I would assume the left, which is the apex, because it sits yeah. on the diaphragm, and the diaphragm sort of domes along and sort of uh, glides down. So the heart would probably do the same. So uh, pericardiocentesis. So it's a needle. It's used for emergency situations, and it sort of differs between uh, hemodynamically stable and un- unstable. Do we know what hemodynamically stable (coughs) or unstable means?
0: I have a punt that hemodynamically stable means they're still getting good, adequate circulation to their body. Yeah. Whereas hemodynamically unstable, they're maybe showing showing, ah, signs (laughs) of shock or or something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the dynamics of the heme or the (laughs) movement. (laughs) (laughs) Pranked. Uh, The movement of the blood is normal or expected. So when it's expected, you know, it means you got a bit of time the heart's still sort of functioning okay. So in, the, in that case, you can actually do this whole needle thing with imaging help. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can tell exactly where the, um, where the, uh, the serious space is. Um, if he's, if, sorry, if he or she is wow. unstable. Boys club. I know, right? I know. I'm a pig. Um, is unstable, well, then you're shit out of luck. You have to do this emergency and do it quick because that's not great. True. Um, so that's when you rely on your skills as a first-year medical student. Stick <laughs> 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 this needle into someone's heart and drain it, you know? Don't worry uh, about it. it. Okay. <laughs> I've never done one. <laughs> just, just letting you guys know. All right, so that's... That's the centesis. You can also do a. Oh, fun fact this all starts with pericardio, so I'm loving that. Mm-hmm. Pericardiotomy, which is um, a different way to do it. It's more for pleural effusion, it's not as emergency based. It's basically the same thing with a whole lot more steps. So, you know, you first put a similar needle in, find it, then you replace the needle with a small tube or catheter with a balloon at the end. Um, so you drain it, you like. Incrementally, and then you in, uh, increase the pressure with the balloon. So you open that space in the pericardium, and you keep opening it, and you keep widening the tube, almost like you know, replacing it each time and making the whole lumen wide up. And it's used for more chronic instances. So if it's not an emergency, and you know this person's going to keep getting fluid into their pericardium, then you chuck this in so you can drain it every time, and you don't have to shove a big needle up there. Pericardium, yeah. And as a first-year medical student, I like that. Um, so that's for more long-term drainage. So it's not really your, you know, emergency situations for like, you know, infections or something, uh, malignancies, things like that. And the final way, which is a little bit morbid, uh, is your pericardial window. So this is like a window. <laughs> Plug that in. Um, you open up a big hole into. The pericardium um, so it's used in surgical situations where you actually need to you know make a window and do some repairs if there's a rupture in your heart leaking blood out mm. or in some terminal cases in palliative care they will actually make a window from your pericardial space into your pleural space so that it drains into your pleural space rather than mm. your pericardium because that way you don't die from a heart failure Right, mm. that's interesting, yeah. Which I thought, you know, was kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> that it like, sucks. Yeah, is me. the fluid like easier to get out of? A I, I tried to look up, as like, is there better drainage in the pleura? Mm. I would assume so. I mean, it's a bigger space, so mm. and, um, like that's the heart is less the rate limiting step, and the malignancy this is for malignancy caused mm. things that's the that becomes the rate limiting step, so you don't die of a. Heart failure, mm. three days in, and you'd rather die of cancer, three months in. Well, you don't die at all because... we Because palliative that. care is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're right, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, that's basically it. You just cool. want to get all the things out. Management. You just want to stop. Um... The fluid accumulation. So whether you do that through antibiotics or whatever to stop infections, um, also just maintaining your fluids as well because you're losing all that blood. So making sure that you know you're not having hypervolemic shock and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's about it for treatment.
0: Cool. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we'll move on to the cases in that case. Um, and before we do though, I have a question for you guys. This is just—I just thought, it as Hamish was talking about um, getting like blood in that uh, pericardial cavity, what could be a way that blood could get in there? MI rupture. That's exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> 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 All right, yeah, yeah, go is, go on. on <laughs> Another one. Oh no! As in, like, <laughs> <laughs> what, why why does does that happen? I guess. That's so what? if you have a myocardial infarct,
3: then that causes fibrosis, death, and that can is more prone to rupture. Um, then you get extreme chronic hemorrhage into the um, pericardial cavity. Boy goes bang. All right. (laughs) 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 Who answers
0: the question exact? (laughs) My guy. (laughs) 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 All right. um, So I got four cases. Only one of them is actually tamponade. All of them, I don't know. I kind of feel like they all sound like tamponade. If you need extra information, you're allowed to ask. All right. Okay. All right. Number one. Number one. This is the one that's tamponade right? <laughs> 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 All right. Um, so a patient presents with chest pain, tachycardia, elevated troponin levels, and ST elevation on their ECG. They're rushed to the cath lab, which shows no signs of a coronary occlusion, but it does show they have this, this weird big left ventricle. Oh. Dude. Okay. Okay.
1: So, okay ST elevation, so strain pattern. Was it? No, that's... SD-depression. That's SD-depression. Yeah. SD elevation it is MI. It's just MI. It's just,
3: MI. It's just MI. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
2: worry about it. But Both
1: there's so no it. coronary artery occlusion. Anywhere.
3: No occlusion anywhere. Okay. It okay. may not have to be if it's hypertrophied. It might just not be able to get enough blood. Yeah. yeah so it's hypertrophied. Like, it's
1: like aortic stenosis. Smoking. What's their breathing like?
0: Uh, they're, they're a little bit dyspnick.
1: Dyspnick? Could it why, that are you asking, no that? why are you asking? Why sense what, what are you thinking no uh, I was I was getting my rights and left oh, okay. I guess. <laughs> sorry Yeah, no, I, I like
2: what Ollie said so it's like left, left and trigger hypertrophy like causing
3: <gasps>
2: systolic failure co oh no why
1: because
2: yeah because also age
3: back acutely yeah I
2: think. course it means A- alexinosis true and what's more likely but co-optation
1: is more fun.
0: True. So, my question to you guys is, do you think this one is tamponade? Uh,
1: um, no. I'm gonna go with no as well. LBH. Would you get
3: LBH and Wait, what is the ECG looking large?
0: <laughs> what What is a large like, ECG? is it normal <laughs> voltage? Like, is it, normal, normal <laughs> it voltage? be printed on an A3 piece of The paper voltage, voltage is normal.
3: Okay, well then I'm happy to say it's not tamponade. Yeah, I'm saying no tamponade. Okay, no tamponade.
0: Okay, I will give you Reveal at the end uh, Yeah, I'm just going to tell you this You actually probably won't know the condition oh, yeah. But I like the fact that you didn't think it was tamponade That was kind of what the point was of that one yeah. Okay, that was good, good if job I mean, it's not tamponade no. Alright, this one um, A patient presents uh, with pain in their anterior chest wall The blood pressure is taken on their left arm And appears hypotensive And they're showing signs of shock Okay, hypotensive
1: Showing signs of shock Taken on the left side. Is it taken on the right side as well by any
0: chance? <laughs> then they decide on Hamish's advice to take on their right <laughs> yeah. side. Dang. And it appears normal on the right normal.
1: side. Normal. Hmm. Wait, <laughs> I feel like that's coarctation. Yeah. Yeah. True.
2: Radio-radio delay. Yeah. Is there a radio-radio delay?
0: There's actually... Oh, that's a good question. Oh. There would be. Yes. I, I I'm going to say actually no. No, no delay. I don't, I don't like that. Pain.
2: Okay, no, but. Oh,
0: actually, I don't know now. Mm. I'm going to clarify one thing. You asked him about the quality of his pain. He says, it's tearing. Oh, dissection. Oh, oh, while that dissection,
3: dissection. Well, they, oh, well, cause different... dissection feels like tearing. Yeah, but
2: while, while that causes different
3: blood pressures. Asymmetric. As if it's. Yeah. If it's a different. Depending where the dissection oh, is. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like. Similar to connotation and that it'll sure. just like mess up mm-hmm. the blood pressures on each side of your arm. Well,
1: there's less volume going to one side than the other. Yeah,
2: but dissections usually it, it? are under
1: the renal artery, though. Usually, but it might not be in this one. Okay. okay. Yeah, there's. Isn't there?
2: There's. I can't remember the type. Stanford like A.
1: Yeah. Stanford B. B. Yeah. yeah maybe it's a Stanford b guys wow you guys
0: have actually done really well here so this is a stanford type a which just means it involves the ascending aorta so it's a a rupture that's gone on um the way i've played this out was that it's uh the dissection occurs somewhere between the brachiocephalic trunk and the left subclavian so you're getting the left subclavian left arm with hypotension but the right side is a fairly normal blood pressure going through
3: Wait, know. you said the way you
0: played it out. These patients aren't real. Oh, sorry, sorry no, this, you're right. This was Jeff. He's 37. He's down at the GCUH right now. He lives in. <laughs> All sure right. Hi. Um, sorry, our next one. Um, the next one is Jeff. He, he's 75. <laughs> and he's noticed that he's gained weight over the last four months. Um, he has swelling around his ankles and an elevated JVP. Okay. There is increased pericardial thickness on echo and a cardiac MRI reveals calcifications in the pericardial region.
2: Oh, okay. So I thing you said was weight gain over
0: the last four months.
2: Okay, right from the edema, yeah. and
0: edema. Swelling around the ankles, yeah. elevated JVP. Okay. There's increased pericardial thickness on echo and the cardiac MRI reveals calcifications in the pericardial region. I don't know
3: what called calcifications. Thrombosis. Thombosis. Thombosis. Does thrombosis lead to calcification? What can calcifications can... Oh, what causes that? It's like,
1: a tra, it's like trauma, inflammation, yeah. something else, I'm sure. Mm. I'll be honest. I'm happy to say this one's Well <laughs> Would you like to hear maybe the other case before you decide? Why has he gained weight? Is it planned? Is he, he, bulk, he has... He's bulky. He's
0: bulky. He's uh, 75-year-old Jeff has not intentionally <laughs> <laughs> bulked. Hey, uh, you never know. He, he, yeah, he, he feels like he's just been getting more tired recently and uh, has not really changed the way he's eaten or anything. Have we
3: yeah. taken blood pressure on him by any chance?
0: Um, we haven't. We forgot to do that because we're bad, no. bad we're physicians.
3: We're from Bond. So. Can
2: we, <laughs> 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 we hear the fourth spurs? case?
0: You can hear the fourth case. I think that's a wise decision. All right. Oh,
1: didn't know that was so, this <laughs> is, it, is so happens in, in the real world. world. <laughs> From the statistics, <laughs> one of you has. <laughs>
0: All right. So a patient comes in, they, and you know they have a history of CKD. They've come in acutely unwell, with oliguria, Ooh. and a pericardial rub. Uh, oh. Their partner reports signs of a changed behaviour. And now they're seeming confused. Okay. Uh-huh. While in the hospital, you get handed the patient's ECG and it shows signs of electrical alternans.
2: Okay.
0: They are hypertensive, hypotensive, that is.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and that's all I'm going to tell you. Is
2: there would be a lot going on there. CKD. Firstly,
3: electrical alternans. Shall we define it? That would be great. I don't know what it is. I don't know what <laughs> it is. Isn't it just like,
2: um, QRS complexes that are high, and then that are low? Mm. Then high, then low. Right. Is that a thing in tamponade?
1: Yeah. Ah! Oh.
2: But quickly though, back to the other symptoms. Why CKD? They, um, because it's like, uremia can cause the other symptoms that he's talking about. Like, can being confused, or urea, or urea would lead to uremia. Oh, symptoms. is this a
1: fusion? Not, like, because of lack of, Colloid um, Pressure You get Mass Exodus of the fluid In vascular joint Into the Extra Vascular Space And then you get Fluid, fluid. in the Tampano Or in the
2: In the tampano <laughs> <laughs> in the tamponel. I, um, That's I don't know if they're I don't know if they're Always linked though Like this guy could just Have CKD Fuck. As well You're right um, But I f- I feel like the Can you say the symptoms
0: again? I'll give you maybe the important uh, stuff. Yeah. Important. Okay. So they've uh, got what appears to be an AKI. Mm. Um. They've got per- pericardial rub, oliguria. They seem confused, and they've got electrical alternans on the ECG. And you've this one. You've remembered to take the blood pressure because oh, you know, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, We learn. Th- we learned <laughs> from everything. Uh, and they appear to be hypotensive.
2: Right. So hypotensive. Electrical alternance. The pericardial
1: rub is pretty indicative of at least <laughs> something happening in the pericardium. Yeah, pericarditis or something. Yeah, and. Which would be fluid would, anyway.
2: Yeah, that would lead to fluid
1: collection. And then, ultimate number three? Yeah, yeah so I we're, we're locking in. Number
2: four. Number three. Would we know the pathology of
1: number three? Wait, what is. Most? Maybe
0: in your research for today, but outside of that, I don't think so.
1: Wait, what was the symptoms?
0: um for, for which one number three. Three, three, three. three was weight gain over four months edema uh elevated jvp and increased pericardial thickness and um calcifications in the pericardium
1: look i don't know i'm just gonna go with pe oh because why not yeah okay i like it let's just <laughs> let's just jump now all right
0: so you guys are absolutely right so you got the what? Uh, no, oh, yeah. oh, no you, you were not you were not <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um yeah, okay so um tamponade was the fourth case um it was the person had an AKI so they had um you actually right so you're on the right track with the loss of oncotic pressure that was good the other thing was uremic syndrome can lead to pericarditis which can like be a massive contributor to this fusion pl- oh, sorry, um, pericardial effusion problem, and then eventually that's what leads to tamponade in the end. Um, the big hint there was yeah the electrical alternans, which is um, when the heart beats uh, on the first beat it might be close to the chest wall, but then because of all this fluid, it almost like it washes it with, like sort of moves from side to side through the fluid. So then the next beat it's away from the electrodes, and then the next one is close to the electrodes, and then that's why the yeah, the QRS voltages um ebb and flow um yep and then the other one was was this thing called constrictive pericarditis Mm. which is like a progressive chronic damage to the pericardium where you lose that nice fibroelastic property of it um, and gets sort of calcified and uh fibrosed um he gained weight because his heart is no longer um sort of contracting; it's loses its diastolic function um, and so you eventually get this kind of backlog of, uh, of fluid. Oh, yeah. So it was a fluid accumulation problem. He's
1: just bloated
0: guys. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the, that was kind of the thing associated with the edema. Cool. All right. There you What's, go. What was the first one? The first one. Oh, right. oh okay. The first one was the only reason I put this one in is because it happened to someone in my family. It's called oh. Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. Oh. Big word <laughs> Effectively I think it's, it is important to know um, Because It presents So so similarly To an MI a Characteristic MI Massive troponins STEMI on the ECG Then you get into the cath lab And they say Oh no The coronary vessels are fine They have this Just really weirdly, weirdly dilated um, Left ventricle mm-hmm. And so yeah That's when Yeah that, That's probably A good differential to have If someone mm-hmm. comes in And you think they might have an MI It could be that Cool. Cool Yeah Alright well that's the end of the episode. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening in. We learned a lot, I think. I think so. And we'll be back for more learning, the good <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, just please don't quote us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll catch you next time for something else. See ya. Bye.